Welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of November 20th, 2019. I am your host, Sean Higgins, and if you enjoy listening to Tips and Tales, we kindly ask that you please rate and review the show on your preferred listening platform. Tips and Tales is available for listening for free on virtually all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plain and simple, rating and reviewing the show is the easiest and best way to get tips and tales in front of new people, expanding our audience, and helping expose more people to the sport we all know and love. On today's show, I sit down with NBC Sports' Steve Perino to talk all about this weekend's World Cup slalom opener in Levy, Finland, and discuss the outlook for the rest of the season in slalom. Can anyone beat Michaela Schifrin? Who will step up in a crowded men's field with the retirement of Marcel Hirscher? We cover all of that and more on this week's show, so stick around. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. Steve and I were fortunate enough to spend last week in Copper Mountain, Colorado, and were able to observe some preseason training from the likes of the U.S. ski team Schifrin and many other national teams who come to Copper to train before the rest of the World Cup season gets underway. It's a very unique opportunity for those of us in the media, and we took full advantage of it. Before we hear from Pino, I would like to take just a little bit of time to highlight some of the recent pieces published on SkiRacing.com. There are only a couple this week since we are back to weekly episodes of Tips and Tales, so lucky you guys. Staff writer Mackenzie Moran took a deep look into the world of USCSA racing in the United States. When people think of collegiate ski racing, understandably, most people think of USCSA's big brother, NCAA Division I. In fact, the vast majority of collegiate racers in the U.S. actually compete in the USCSA ranks. Did you graduate from high school and not make the U.S. ski team or get recruited to a D1 ski program? Good news! Your ski racing days are still far from over if you take a serious look at racing USCSA in college. Lastly, contributor Michael Bingaman is back and explains that although ski season is well underway, the last thing you should be doing is taking it easy in the gym. Maintaining your fitness levels in season is one of the most critical components to a successful winter, and Bing breaks it all down for you in his latest piece. To read all of those stories and so much more, head on over to SkiRacing.com, and coming up after a quick break will be my discussion with NBC Sports' Steve Carino. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right, now we'll get you back to the show. Hey guys, one quick note before we get started. We ran into some technical difficulties with Steve's audio track, so I have to apologize in advance. Long story short, we had to get a little creative while editing the episode to pick up Steve's voice. It does not sound bad, but it is not the quality you expect from us, so we'll definitely do better next time. With that out of the way, here's the discussion. Welcome back to Tips and Tales, and with me today, back again as a celebrity guest, is NBC Sports' Steve Prino, the one and only Steve Prino. 
I should say. Steve, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I, I, I love being back. And I, the celebrity thing, that's a bit much. It's a bit much. <laughs> I don't, just one of the people out here. <laughs> so we are here in Copper Mountain, Colorado for some preseason media work before things get off the walls crazy with World Cups every weekend. Copper is an interesting place this time of year with athletes from all over the world converging on this one spot, preseason training. What are your thoughts on, on this week in Copper? I think if there's a place to not feel like a celebrity, it's to come to Copper and see all the actual celebrities up on the hill. I, you know what I think is so interesting about you come to a place like Copper and imagine another sport. Imagine Bill Belichick like opening up the stadium and saying, let's just bring everyone in and we're going to have a practice like every team in the world is going to practice with them now. And it just like it doesn't happen in other major sports. But here you've got this was an interesting one. You've got Schifrin and Dominic Paris, right? The winner of Kitzbühel. I mean, he is a celebrity in speed skiing, trading secrets mm-hmm. up in the start. Mm-hmm. But I just think that is, is so cool and so unusual about the sport. You kind of wonder whether it would behoove people to keep more secrets or maybe there's just not enough snow in the world to keep secrets, mm-hmm. you know, this time of year. But being in copper, uh, I mean, talk about one-stop shopping to get to what people are doing in different teams. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely, I, I think the most unique place in the world, in the ski racing world, once a year, everyone's in copper in the same place. Yeah. Got slalom, downhill, you got it all here. So looking ahead, your first your first broadcast of the year will be Levy, which also happens to be the World Cup slalom opener. And we, we've talked about how unique Solden is in the past, just with so early in the year, it's a month before any of the other racing. And, and Levy is almost kind of in that same vein. It's so far from everything. You're north of the Arctic Circle. It's cold. It's dark. And then the real season almost starts once you get to North America. Um, in, in your years covering Levy, they've hosted the World Cup opener since 2006, World Cup slalom opener since 2006. What have kind of been your main takeaways of the venue? I mean, you know what I loved about it initially is that you had Tanya Putian and, uh, you know, she was the star of that country. And finally, this is a woman who's had to spend her entire existence uh, abroad. Mm -hmm. And then finally they get to see their star at home. And then, you know, it made so much sense. And then since that point in her uh, retirement and Kali Pollander's retirement, it's now it's exactly how you describe it. It is inside the Arctic Circle. And like it couldn't be any further from anything. And so it really is an island on the calendar that everyone has had to learn how to adapt to. And you know, you probably hear all these different stories. Some people have tried to like, let's just not go early and let's just show up the night before because it's so weird anyway. Like mm-hmm. you can never get your wits about you in terms of am I awake, am I asleep? Mm-hmm. And it's I mean, how much daylight is there? Yeah. I think it's four hours or less a day, yeah. and and there's really no way to prepare for that unless you're living there year round, and it's just such a, such a a curveball to be thrown at you so early in the year. I mean, no one's raced slalom since the spring. Yeah, everyone's kind of trying to feel out everybody, and it's dark at lunchtime. You know, my favorite mechanism of, of preparedness there is Ted Ligeti. I learned this from Will Brandenburg, and. Uh, he said that all of a sudden they were sitting, I guess, I've never been there. I've only, I've only called it on TV. Um, and they sit and wait things out in the terminal, the lift terminal. And uh, Ligeti had smelling salts with him mm. to, to wake himself up because it's just so, even if you're acclimated to the time, you're not acclimated to that scenario of light deprivation, mm. uh, which has a huge impact on performance. And so I've never had smelling salts in my life, but I don't think Vandenberg had either, but he said it was 
it was jarring. Mm -hmm. I've never tried smelling salts either, but uh, the, the reaction videos you see on YouTube don't look too pleasant. Um, so talking a little bit about the hill itself, it is also a unique hill to the World Cup in that the men and women are on the exact same trail. I think the women start a little bit lower, but just watching the race, it almost seems like it's a tale of two races. You have the top flat where it's just a drag race. You go 110%, and then it's this abrupt breakover onto the pitch. And it's, I think, more experienced racers who've been there before kind of know how to deal with it. But a lot of the times you see these young guys post these insanely fast splits right. at the top, and then it all blows up three gates onto the pitch because they have not switched that gear. They're not ready for it, and they're not ready for the, the fatigue and the total change of skiing to, to bring that arc up and to, to just change the, their tactics going towards the bottom. Right. Well, you know, it's kind of, it is the one, I, I would say it's the premier slalom venue, certainly for men, for the high numbers to pop in. Mm -hmm. And so I think you see that represented in the skiing. Guys know, like, the course typically holds up really well. Holds up also because, you know, certainly the top does because it's flat. Mm -hmm. um, and so guys know, like, this is my chance. And so you see that go for broke skiing and you'll see guys in the back maybe you know in the past ahead of Hirscher at the midway and they and then they forget they're like oh okay now now it's game on and then things start to come undone but I think it comes undone it's my opinion it comes undone because they're like this is my only shot like I look at Luke Winters last year right uh, super excited to see his skiing I heard how great it was and he was going to qualify if he had maintained that pace but I mean, I was told that was actually the first World Cup he'd ever seen was the one that he was in. <laughs> so a lot to take in mentally. So you can understand why he blew out. But I think that the reason guys blow up so much there is because the opportunity seems so rife. And then, you know, they just don't manage to switch gears and think, okay, now I've got to mm -hmm. earn my turns. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's chewed up. Yeah. And I think the contrast between the flat at the top and the steep at the bottom, there's there, in ski racing in any event, there's always a fine line between not doing enough to get in there and doing too much and, and going out. And I think that's that contrast is even greater when you have a, a venue that is so flat at the top and so steep at the bottom and so early in the year. It's, it's almost like a mental game people need to, to, to get going. All right, so looking ahead to the women's race on Saturday, the, the big story, and it has been over the past few years, is Michaela Schifrin, and can anyone touch her in slalom? And you were actually just able to spend some time with her and her team this morning on the Hill. What did you learn? Did you anything new with the Schifrins, or uh, is it the same old hat? <laughs> is there, I mean, I don't think there is the same old hat with them because it's, it's constant evolution, and I don't get to... I watch her ski at races. I don't get to see her ski live very much. I just talk to the coaches and I get their input and I try to assimilate that. But to watch it today, you kind of get, I know you've seen it a lot. You sort of understand why her skiing keeps evolving. Because not a moment out there where something doesn't seem to be happening, mm -hmm. whether or not, you know, they're taking video and then the video chip gets handed off to the iPad. She looks at the iPad of the 22nd course that she's just run. And then, you know, they, they don't belabor it, but things are getting done. She goes on the cat track to get over to the chairlift and she, you know, puts both hands up and puts her poles in her hands, you know, parallel to the ground and runs drills. Like there's very little idle time where she's not advancing. And then I watched her sort of, because she's coming off a big block of speed, I watched her get better and better and better in the course of, 
I followed her for three runs. It mm-hmm. just got better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And so if she's getting better and better and better, I mean, obviously, this is a tight scenario. And I do think Chris Lom is getting better. Yeah, she's going to, like, I don't think we're going to see a different outcome this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see the person that has taken their skiing not only up to her level, but past it in a way that's sustainable. Onesies and twosies, maybe she'll win everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I don't see it. I didn't see anyone else out there. I didn't compare anyone, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think. Who do you predict that's going to take her title away this year? I won't go be as bold to say that someone's going to take the title away from her, but I, I agree just with the consistency she's had and how rock solid she focused she is on the process and, and how diligent she is just a, a normal day of training. Uh, like you said, there may be an off race here or there where maybe something goes wrong with her preparation, equipment, whatnot, or maybe someone like Petra Volova or Wendy Holdner has a really great day. I think we saw that in Levy a couple years ago when Volova stole the show. And then uh, if there's one sure bet on the World Cup in either gender in any event, I would say it's Schifrin and Slalom at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you there. But maybe, I mean, if we're talking just about Levy, you know, that's... Vlova can can ski with her on the flat. If Schifrin doesn't go hard, Vlova will. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think she's in good condition. I, I heard that she actually had a pretty significant sinus uh, infection to where she had surgery prior to Solden, which isn't something I'd heard before mm-hmm. Solden, so I don't know the lingering effects of that and the impact on her training. Mm-hmm. She sure didn't ski good GS. Mm-hmm. But if she's the same slalom skier that she was last year, or Holdner is, and they charge her charge, they can be ahead of Schifrin at the midway but as i recall it, like even last year i don't think Schiffen won across the flat and then just destroyed them mm-hmm. from the midway down maybe not destroyed them but just she just asserted herself yeah. there in a way that they seemed not ready for mm-hmm. and i think it, talking a little bit more about wendy holdner she has has yet to win a world cup slalom but i think over the the past handful of years it's really been holdner and frida hansdotter have been the two main challengers volhova's come on strong in the last two or three seasons but holdner has been one of the constant rivals to push schifrin and she's come close to winning several times she narrowly missed out at world cup finals last year 700 in second place and the, the the tears were flowing after that race that was one of the most emotional finish areas I think I've seen on the World Cup just with the outpouring of, I don't know if it was a combination of just a long season, you had World Championships, long World Cup season, and the uh, emotion of holding a lead after the first run and coming down in second place is like no one, that's not easy to swallow no matter who you are. Right. Yeah, they don't know for sure, right? You don't want yeah. to see those emotions, but you don't have to ask what's that feel like mm-hmm. anymore right mm-hmm. you gotta know mm-hmm. and she was also in 2018 she was only 900 behind in Offterschwang from Schifrin and I remember the the Squaw Valley World Cup slalom yeah. I don't want to be as bold to say that she would have won the race but she was four gates from the finish with a lead at the last interval and, and blows out of the course it should be noted that in this room where we are is the NBC producer who likes to play back the crash of when Holder went out because I went into like a 10 second string of what it's it was not even what not only was it not English it wasn't any language mm-hmm. <laughs> but I but I do remember that quite clearly that she almost had it and I agree but it's with Schifrin I mean the fact that 
she's always on the right side of the clock and mm -hmm. you don't get the sense that she's at her limit and then if someone you know were to beat her consistently I, I could see very quickly to be a reaction to her she might dip in she might be able to run that engine in the red a little bit more than we're used to seeing and i think we, we've almost answered this already but is there a plausible scenario bearing uh, some sort of injury from Schifrin where she does not win a slalom title this year I, no I mean it's not not plausible uh, I know it's what she does is really hard but beating her is even harder mm. <laughs> just like I don't, I don't I don't and there's so many slaloms it's not like GS or Super G where you have you know you lose one and just you know Frida Hahn's daughter or, or the or that Wendy Holdner comes along and finishes second, and that's enough mm. because of that one DNF. There's so many slums. I yeah. think there's like a 550 slums this year. <laughs> so, give or take. <laughs> give, or give or take a couple hundred. Yeah, it's a little glutted with slums. But, and also, Wendy Holdner, a little bit injured, right? A little bit. Uh, elbow injury. Non-surgery requiring, but we're still a little waiting to hear whether she's 100% good to go in Levy. Yeah, and so I think it's fair to say you need to be 100% to be Schiffman, who is 100%. Yeah. Right. So looking ahead or looking forward to, to the rest of the U.S. women's squad, you got Paula Moulton, you know, Brian. Paula really surprised a lot of people last year. Uh, college skier coming in, scoring some points right off the bat, and then actually kept that up throughout the entire season and was, I think, her top speed was clearly top 10 in the World Cup in, in slalom. And uh, this season, she's full-time in the World Cup, is not attending the University of Vermont. Which is right, your alma yeah. mater. Yes, well, my alma mater. Go Cats. Go but Cats, that was, baby. That was a heck of a schedule mm -hmm. that she had to run, which you probably know better than I. Just know that back and forth, racing NCAA, trying to go back and, and do finals, and then back, and talking to her professors while she's over. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a whole lot more complicated mm -hmm. than the yeah. difference. You know. It's essentially two full-time jobs. You're a yeah. full-time World Cup skier, and you're a full-time student. Yeah. And uh, we, we got a chance to talk to her a little bit yesterday, and, and sh something that really stood out to me is how much not qualifying for World Cup finals lit a fire underneath her for this season. And I, I'm really excited to see just where she takes that fire and that passion, given that she 100% uh, of her focus is on World Cup this year. There's there's no biochem bio classes for her to, to get distracted by. And uh, I think the, the only way... The only place for Paula to go this season is is up up the results sheet. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, the right Michaela's taken all you know, she sucked all the air out of the room really for all of women's skiing. But there's now an indications of women's depth, U.S. Mm -hmm. women's depth in slalom. You know, GS not yet, but slalom. You know, Paula, who has always had the talent, right? But is really like. She makes the argument, I think we all make the argument, like college, and that hiatus from World Cup as she grew up has been a huge boon to her. Because mm -hmm. you could argue, like, uh, you know, she lost lots of miles and lots of experience at the World Cup level, but boy, the way she came back, it didn't look like she needed more experience. Mm -hmm. and, and looking down the roster a little bit, we're going to have Nina O'Brien mm -hmm. starting as well. Uh, Kind of been a Noram circuit, a national champion star over the last couple of years and, and broke through in Killington last year with her first World Cup points in slalom and then started the season off on a, on a good foot with a, some scoring uh, points in Solden. And looking back on her season last year, 
what really stood out to me was her her performance at at Worlds in in Ore. Her first run of slalom, I think she was twenty fifth after the first run, and I remember watching her second run and seeing all that potential we've seen for so many years on the Norm in the national championships come to fruition. And her splits were tenth, second, and third before she blew out and had to hike. Did you write that down, or did you recall that? I wrote it down. I'm a professional, Steve. Come on now. Um. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, that kind of when I I talked to her a little bit about it, because to me, I see this really stable skier that it's like, is, where's the gas pedal? I hear about that gas pedal in training, and then maybe it happens at the Noram level. I'm not seeing those races, um, and she was taken aback. She was like, oh, I don't feel like a stable skier. She thinks she's got just as much potential to kind of go hard, and she sees her. A lot of her problems more in terms of stability kind of surprised me but i think the fact that she scored in solden is i don't know if i'm hoping or thinking this but if it's a watershed moment because i mean i'll let you speak to it you talk to those women it's that is the most difficult gs Mm -hmm. particularly to score from outside of the top 30. yeah and it's the opener it's arguably one of the nastiest GS, and maybe this year it was a little more tame because the snow was good. But when you can score there, that's like, oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm diff. I'm a different person than I was last year. Mm-hmm. That's the argument I would be making in my head if I were Nino O'Brien. Yeah, I think if there's one takeaway, it, it, when you get to the World Cup level, I think confidence is is king, no matter who you are. I think, barring like the superstars like Michaela and Marcel the talent level as far as skiing ability is percentage points here and there different mm-hmm. between the racers. But what makes the difference between a racer who can regularly get in there and, and challenge for top tens and podiums and someone who's struggling to make the flip is it's all in the brain. It's yeah. all up there. And I think starting the season with that confidence, like going into the race, not knowing if you did enough during the summertime mm-hmm. and then, Hey, I got 21st place. Yeah. This for my first world cup GS points. And now I'm, I'm headed to the slalom opener. How easy was that? <laughs> yeah, easy. <laughs> All right. So moving on to the men's race on Sunday. I think the men's tour as a whole is going to be very interesting with the absence of Marcel Hirscher, but slalom in particular. So I, I did some research on this last night, Steve, and 11 different men were on the podium in 2018 and 2019. And four different winners with Marcel Hirscher, Daniel Yule, Clement Noel, and Ramon Zenhausen. With Hirscher gone, I don't know if there is a clear favorite for the men's slalom title this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Obviously, my lack of reaction mm-hmm. is an affirmation mm-hmm. of your question. Um, but, you know, when I, I look at Clement Noel, one, two, three victories. Hirscher, one, two, three, four, five. They're pretty close. And I think, and I don't know if you agree with me, and, and I don't think last year Christofferson didn't have a, he's going to. He was on the podium a couple of times, but no wins. No wins skier. in slalom, yeah. It wasn't the same skier. Mm-hmm. I don't think his slalom was as good if, if, if while the rest of the world continued to progress. And mm-hmm. I think Clement Noel was maybe, the poster child of progression, mm-hmm. I think Christopherson stayed the same. And I don't expect he will. And so I think he'll be a different person. But when I look at 
Clement Noel, the one question I have is if he can produce that skiing, not so much consistently, but across a broad range of conditions. Mm -hmm. Because when I looked at the areas where he wasn't relevant, like the world championships, I, I was just like, you know, Clement Noel's gonna win. Mm -hmm. right? You know, he's got no pressure, it's all on Hirscher, it's all on Christopherson, all these guys, he's skiing better than them. And it just absolutely didn't materialize. And the more I kind of talked to people and looked at it, you know, we had pretty soft conditions there. You go to the World Cup Finals in Solio, pretty soft conditions there. And then he has that really short arc that's mm -hmm. super precise and he makes mm -hmm. it look easy, but there's a lot of force and a lot of short space. Yeah. And if the snow's not there to resist that and hold that up, you know, that's my, I'm sort of putting two and two together here and thinking like, all right, that's a weakness of his. Mm -hmm. And we cannot count on boilerplate surfaces across the entire World Cup slalom season. Because I mentioned before, there's more than 500 slaloms. Yes. <laughs> and then kind of looking at, at Noel's season, he got really hot in January during that classic stretch. He mm -hmm. got the, on the, his first World Cup podium was in Adelboden, and then he won the next two slaloms, which are arguably the, the two most prestigious slaloms on the World Cup tour, and Vengen and Kitzbühel. And to your point, both of those races were boilerplate ice. Mm -hmm. And that short, really intense pressure phase really uh, played itself well into those types of conditions. And then looking into the next race in Schladming, same kind of conditions. He got a little unlucky with a straddle. And he granted, he didn't get a full first run to compare him to the rest of the field. But his skiing was on a different level, Hersher included mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. The, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. 25 seconds, he made it down. Right. And Hersher, you know say no more right here she was like his skiing's on a different level mm. well i'm not gonna disagree with that guy yeah but uh, he uh actually is dealing with a bit of a, a back injury too yeah. he took a bit of a precautionary measure and cut his preseason training in ushuaia argentina a little bit short just to make sure he was as healthy as possible going into the season i'm not sure if there's much more to that if it's more serious or if it's just kind of playing the, playing the long game he knows as if, if, if there's 550 slums on the calendar i mean you get you gotta pace yourself yeah. but you know that that's that sounds alarms and i have to correct myself too. it wasn't sold to you. it was kronska gora where he sort of fell off and that was where it was you know mm -hmm. super soft mm -hmm. um because in Soldia he he won which was which is a good result mm -hmm. um but uh early you know back problems without an injury He's young. Did you ever hear Hirscher complain about back problems? No, never did. Yeah, you know, so that's that is concerning. Right? I mean, that's one of these things. This sport is is brutal. And then when you hear about young skiers having those sort of, you know, I'm I'm guessing it's chronic and not acute. Mm -hmm. Um, not not that that makes me concerned about you know how's he going to handle the whole season. Mm -hmm. And another name we touched on him a little bit earlier, but over the last couple of years, really the only skier to consistently challenge Hersher at the top of the World Cup slalom standings was Henrik Kristofferson. Mm -hmm. He won the globe in 2017, had that amazing year where I think he won four or five slaloms in a row and walked away with a, the crystal globe, but he finished fourth in the standings last year, no wins. But on the flip side of that, he broke through in GS and he won uh, world championship GS in two World Cups. Mm -hmm. And I know he's talked a lot about how he wants to get his GS to the level of slalom, but we saw his GS take that step forward and Islam take a step back last year do you think he'll be a, a factor this year um yeah you know when, when i said and 
I always talked to his dad, and his dad is always quite open. And, and they did say, in terms of the progression, that they would be taking on giant slalom, and they would, you know, they knew there would be a cost in slalom. They didn't know what that cost would necessarily be. Maybe they they realized it. I have no doubt that they're, you know, are going to go back to a little bit more slalom because it fell off. Um, so yeah, I, I would not. I would be very surprised if, if Christofferson didn't step up from where he was last year. Mm -hmm. And also, like he, you know, he never used to blow out, and he blew out twice last year. Mm -hmm. So to not be fast and to blow out twice is also like that's he's off. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think his his result in Solden showed that too. Eighteenth, yeah. that is not even registering for him right and he's got to be feeling it we know he's a passionate guy with his uh let's say colorful reactions in the finish area they were they were pretty quick to say you know equipment wise mm -hmm. you know, everything was going great but that was super grippy snow and we yeah. had our head somewhere else and in this day and age when people say that I, you know i i tend not to write it off as excuse making mm -hmm. it's just so relevant and I heard a lot of that. I think people were really surprised by how grippy it was in Solden compared to years past. Mm -hmm. And that's not what they prepare for, mm -hmm. right? They go over and be icebox, they ski on ice. Yeah. yeah. And another, another point I want to touch on is, is the Swiss men's slalom team. I know you've talked about this on the broadcasts in the past. And the Swiss men in slalom historically really haven't been much of anywhere. No. And this current generation of, of Swiss slalom skiers with Ramonzen, Huizen, Daniel Yule, Luke Maillard, Luca Ernie, like their average age is 25. And I think they all have podiums and two of them have wins. Yeah. And I think they'll be a major factor this year as well. Yeah. Best slalom team in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think there's any question about it in terms of depth. I think this might be the year that the, the Swiss win the Nations Cup. Ooh. Big, big prediction from yeah. Mr. Well, Carino. Yeah. Well, if, you, if, you, if you take away Hirscher's points from last year, mm -hmm they win it mm -hmm. and his, he won't be getting those points this year mm -hmm. and the swiss have people returning to action um so yeah i, I think it's and a lot of that's going to be uh, dependent on how well these guys continue their what they've been doing but zenhoisen is you know he skis obviously very differently yeah very odd looking skier i think anyone that tall is going to look odd <laughs> but there are certain courses, right? And, mm -hmm. and maybe we should be looking at him in Levy. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the course isn't too, if it's a little bit more offset than the shorter guys, yeah, can't. He managed to make it look like the course is straight when it's not. Yes, that's true. And I think that was really kind of the main takeaway from when he won in Kranskogora. It was kind of the perfect combination of a very turny course and softer snow. And he has the length where he can keep his center of mass going down the fall line more than a shorter skier can. Yeah. And I think we saw that in his second run where it, it looked like he was skiing a completely different course. Yeah. 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 So there, I think there are moments where he's extremely dangerous and yet obviously skis nothing like Clement Noel. Mm -hmm. you, you know, as everyone looks to Clement Noel, it's like, oh, that's, that's how you got to do it. But don't forget to look at, you know, for the, for the six foot, seven inch body out there. Maybe you want to model Zenhoisen. <laughs> but, it's, it, but it's lethal in certain conditions. Mm -hmm. And another tech skier that's that's been on everyone's minds this season has been Alexi Penthrow, obviously starting the season off with a win in Solden, which I know there's no doubt that he has crystal globes on his mind. Mm -hmm. Slalom GS and overall maybe more 
with uh, the program he's going to be attacking this year. Um, and it, what was interesting to me, like young earlier in his career, he was quite a good slalom skier. He'd won World Cup slaloms, and we kind of dropped off a bit over the last couple of years. And he really found his podium form again last year. He was on the podium three times. Zagreb, Kitzbühel, Schladming, legendary venues on the World Cup. Yeah. And I think we could see him mix it up, if not necessarily take the slalom title, but take the like make it so someone one of those other names we mentioned before does not win. Yeah, right. No, he's. I mean, he's relevant in mm-hmm. slalom. And I, and I, you know, let, let's. When he was good in slalom, he was on different equipment. Mm-hmm. When he really improved in GS and speed, you know, he'd moved ahead and had his head. You know, their challenge is trying to find this perfect combination of Bootsky plate binding and slalom and it's you know when that came together Alexei Pantarov like changed overnight he changed overnight mm. so it's it's like hmm. and does he I don't know you were there in Solden right he looked big he looked stronger and he made that GS win look relatively pedestrian mm-hmm. for him like so yeah, I think he's. I've I've been saying forever that he should be more relevant in the overall. But damn it, this year is going to be the year <laughs> that I'm right. <laughs> so we would be remiss if we did not touch on the Austrians. With Hersher gone, can that void be filled? We have Marco Schwartz, uh, Michael Mott, and Manuel Feller are the other three top Austrian slalom skiers currently. Mm-hmm. They've all been on the podium. Michael Mott has won. Marco Schwartz has won first runs, but has not quite found that. Uh, I believe Feller has actually won first runs as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. But has not been able to. Like following up with a straddle like three games. Yeah. With Hersher gone and how much we know Austrians expect of their skiers, do you think that they'll be able to step up and uh, fill that gap? How many, I guess, the, 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 I think the. The question is, how many bodies will it take to fill the hole, mm-hmm. the crater that here's your left? Um, and yeah, it's, it's not going to happen with one person. I mean, you don't just, it's, you know, who's going to replace Lindsey Vaughn? Uh, nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys are, it was a, it was a, a unmitigated disaster at the giant slalom for them. Mm-hmm. The, the, the best. Austrian GS gear was behind the third American GS gear. Mm-hmm. Right, there's people in Austria that probably are still not breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's that'll be tough, and they're going to feel a lot of pressure mm-hmm. too. They're going to, hey, I'm not Marcel. You can't expect me to be Marcel, but that doesn't mean that the Austrian media, which I think the Austrian media legitimately has an impact on the skiing of the athletes. And I would say that about the Swiss media. I don't think any other country matters. Mm-hmm. It matters there. Mm-hmm. And it will have a negative impact if those guys can't get some momentum early. Yeah. And Manny Feller, you know, as good as he is, it doesn't strike, like stability, it was, it's not something I would, mm-hmm. that is the first word that strikes yeah. me when I think of him. Yeah, I think if there's one thing working on their side, I mean, they did sweep world championships, Hersher, Gold, and then Schwartz and Mott on the podium as well. And then just knowing how fast those guys can be. Yeah. And the question will be whether they can they can be up it's to that challenge. Yeah, he's coming back from injury. So, I mean, as you mentioned, it's like this men's slum right now is so deep. Yeah, he's very good. And I and, I'm, and he's a very good all-arounder. He's a mm-hmm. better all-arounder than Hirscher. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's not going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so it, that's gonna be a lot of pressure on a few guys, Feller, Brensteiner, who's like perpetually the fastest trainer, and you know, we, we almost don't know him on World Cup day, mm -hmm. on race day. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our season-long discussion of, of men's and women's slalom. So last question for you, Steve. Levy in particular, who are your picks, top three men and women? Top three. Um, this is, I'm, we're throwing darts at the wall because mm -hmm. I haven't made my, my pre-slalom calls to find out who's skiing fast, but I, I wouldn't have said this before we had the conversation, but Zenhuizen. I want to pick Zenhuizen to win, um, and I just did. Uh, Christofferson, Pantero. I, I just think that you know Clement Noel with the bad back. You know he's definitely he was definitely the fastest slalom skier last year. Mm -hmm. But and, and I know he's a cool customer. I don't think he he is affected by pressure. But he didn't finish there last year. He comes in a little weak this mm -hmm. year based on the back so I'm, that's why I'm not putting him in there mm -hmm. I'm going to go bold I'm going to say Christofferson is going to be a man on a mission in Levy and I think he's going to take the win I think Pentro is going to keep that momentum going from Solden and be the second place finisher and I think Daniel Ewell will be third place finisher for Swiss men mm -hmm. so women I think we all both have the same pick for number one yeah if I uh, if I guess correctly, Michaela Schifrin. Yeah. Um, who are second and third for you? Boy, I, um, you know we, we lost some skiers, mm -hmm. right? So and and Glova, she her GS did not look good. Wendy Holdner, as we said, is you know she's kind of out injured to a degree. It, uh, so. You go. Well, I, I collect my thoughts. <laughs> you pick. Boy. Shield, out injured. Yes, that's true. Okay. I think after Schifrin, I think we saw Anna Sven Larsen have a lot of momentum. Who's ranked seventh in the world right now? Katarina Linsberger from Austria. Who's eight and nine. Christina Ackerman from Germany and Bernadette Shield, who is out with injury. Who's 10? Kristen Liesdahl, Norway. Liesdahl. Right, so there, she's going to be top seven. So she's going to be in the flip because mm -hmm. there's that many people that are out right mm -hmm. now. But I still, that's, that'll, be, that'll change things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go bold again and say Anna Sven Larsen is going to get back yeah. on the podium. And then, uh, wow, third place. Suddenly, like looking at it now with these injuries and the people that are going yeah. in. I think that's the, the most. The, I'm going to give it to Vlhova because I yeah. think she's that good, um, even though she may not be on, just because behind them are a is a bunch of people that have mm -hmm. not shown ever that speed. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking that even Flova at 80% is mm -hmm. better than the never evers. All right. So we're going with Schifrin, Sven Marsen, and Vlova. <laughs> Care to hear first? If we ruin your fantasy ski racer picks, we're sorry. All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always great to talk to you. Good luck with the broadcast, and uh, we will talk to you soon. That was fun. That is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next time.